Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Casual Cognition. I would like to thank you personally for joining Nate and I on the program today. In today's conversation, we talk a little bit about failure. We explore some ideas around the growth mindset, and then we do a little self-psychiatry at the end. As always, we had a blast on this one. We're looking forward to hearing from you. What do you think of these subjects? And we sincerely hope that you enjoy this conversation. Thank you once again. Good morning. Good morning to you, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's always it's always a good day when we get to when we get to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Having a little bit of a rough morning due to a catastrophic immune system uh malfunction mm. that I get uh every year around springtime known as uh allergies wow i'm so jealous that you literally just said the words around springtime in january (laughs) it's not gonna be spring here for another like three or four months four months you don't have to be too jealous of me because springtime is a nightmare for me honestly (laughs) at least here in florida Um, So my apologies, people, if I sound a little sniffly or clogged up, I am being uh, I'm being assaulted by tree semen. (laughs) Well, you know, Nate, that is a failure that I can forgive you for. But can I forgive myself? That is the real question. (laughs) And that's what we're going to be diving into today a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. We're going to talk about failure, which was uh, requested, a requested topic. Yeah, shout out to Daniel for requesting the topic of failure. Yeah, we love it. Well, we don't love failure. We love getting topic requests. Um <laughs> Failure, I think, is a really good thing to talk about, especially for us and, and kind of our our themes and topics we talk about here, because um, I think one thing we try to encourage people to do is try new things, um, continue with whatever creative projects they're working on or, you know, exercise meditation yoga all these different things are something where if you if you try it and you've never tried it before and you work on it for a while you're going to experience some type of failure whether it's a failure of discipline a failure of your body and your ability um, maybe a failure of your sort of like 
opinions on it, like thinking that you knew more than you did, and then you fuck up because you actually didn't. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's something that everybody experiences in their life, no matter what you do. But um, I think if you're an artist or a creator of some kind, um, or even like um, like an ambi- just an ambitious person, you know, in your life and your career, stuff like that, you're going to experience more failure than usual, more failure than if you're just kind of skating by and coasting. And we're going to talk about why those might be related in both directions. Mm. Yeah, so one of, one of the kind of thing one of the things that I really like to look at when it comes to failure is kind of starting from the um what we would call ancestral lifestyle perspective, but it's basically like like it's like almost like an evolutionary perspective right so yeah like because it's so weird like okay why are we so terrified of failure what what is it that that causes us to be like so aware of these little failures and to be so fearful of these potential negative outcomes and you know, kind of the obvious first first thing that comes to mind is like, well, you know, if we if we take it to the extreme, the worst failure from the perspective of the organism is death without procreation, right? Like that's the that's like the biological imperative that whether or not we choose to listen to drives a lot of our behaviors. Um and so like, yeah, in the extreme case like okay, well if I if I go out on a hunt and if I get gore if I fail and get gored by this wild boar, like I could be dead. So there it's like, okay, you, I, should, I should be afraid could of that be. outcome, right? <laughs> I could die if I get gored by a wild boar exactly. on and, the savannah. Yeah, and so that's like, it's very reasonable to feel a, a lot of kind of trepidation and, and concern around making sure that one is not going to be gored by a wild boar. However, <laughs> that same mechanism is responsible for, or at least related to, how we interact with people on a social level and, and uh, yeah, how we perceive, you know, our, our career, our projects, our, our creations. It's all kind of... It, it seems like it's it's all linked into this same circuitry and there's this like fear and and then the, the other one too that I think is really strong is is like the fear of being ostracized right and we've talked about this before so I, I won't, won't go into it the last episode yeah so we won't go into it at, at well, length sorry the last one we released this right won't be the last one we we release when we release this one right so it's a little mixed up yeah yeah so 
won't get go into it at length, but it's the same idea, right? This like, okay, well, if I, if no, if if everybody doesn't appreciate what I'm doing, and I'm like somehow perceived as a threat to the tribe, then they kick me out, and then I'm as good as dead, right? So I think these are all. It's all. It's important to like understand the. At least you know some of the forces that are related to the fear of failure uh and then figure out ways that we can kind of overcome those but i i do want to just to finish up this little piece here i want to share uh i'm gonna paraphrase a quote and i believe it's michael jordan could be wrong on this, but I love this quote. Classic failure to success story. For yes. those who don't know, or is it in the quote? The quote is something along the lines of uh, the, yeah, something like the difference between the master and the novice is that the master has tried or has failed more times than the novice has even tried. Mm, Something along one. those lines. And and you know the key to this quote and this idea is that is that failure is actually the the thing that's important. It's actually it's not like, you know, you don't obviously it's not going to be helpful if you just try to f- like if you know if you're one of those people who is like a self-sabotage person who's like you know like just trying to fail basically then it's maybe not going to be that helpful but like basically the idea is every time we fail there's a huge opportunity to learn from the failure and to grow and to pursue mastery through what we learn in our failures and we always learn more from a failure than from a success yeah yeah and if you're just I don't know. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's golden boys and girls out there who can, but if you're just succeeding one after the other after the other, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. Like there's probably room for more growth if you're like if you're not finding your boundaries enough to fail in some way shape or form. Mm. Now we're not talking about some major thing, but like like for to take it into one of my spaces like if I'm only succeeding in painting and making paintings, that probably means that I'm not doing something that's like more challenging. Mm. Like I'm, I'm just sticking to the techniques that I've practiced already and that I've gotten decent at, that I'm comfortable with, that I know will make something pretty. Right. And I'm not pushing, pushing that line further out. I'm not improving. But another thing I wanted to mention was that, um, in, in the ancestral lifestyle vein or possibly just human evolutionary biology vein. Um, we also mentioned this in a previous t- uh, chat about this, but you're not like, if you're out there as a hunter gatherer, you're probably not doing all that many new things once you like get to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about that a little bit in context of this conversation of like, as a child, 
nowadays, you know, we have a, a, the education system, which I won't get into on this one. Um, and then you've got, you know, parental teaching, you've got your friends, your social groups and stuff like that. But like that, they don't teach you even half of the stuff that you have to learn after you already become an adult and get into the, into the adult workforce. And, um, a hunter gatherer child, by the time they're, you know, 18, 22 years old, they probably have all, if not the vast majority of the skills that they'll ever need to learn. And yeah, they're going to improve on various things. They're going to get better at hunting. They're going to, um, become more efficient gatherers, better at making tools, whatever. But they're not going to be like, they're not going to have to suddenly in, in their thirties, like, Oh, I've got to learn. God, I've got to learn how to, how to figure out a, a health insurance marketplace. Cause suddenly my, uh, my employer no longer provides me health insurance and I have to figure out my own health insurance and I need to figure out how to navigate this super complicated bureaucratic abstract weird system and um, otherwise I'm, I'm going to be in trouble I'm not gonna be able to get my medication or whatever and there's so many of these things that we end up having to learn as adults that don't really make a whole lot of sense that aren't really like related to any like directly related to any any basic needs of human beings and um you extrapolate out that to the things that we want to try that we want to learn i think that our brains just aren't super well geared to um to jump into new spaces once we're already once once the brain's already fully formed which happens you know close to like 25 so 30 year olds, 40 year olds, and that's, it's kind of like common sense that it's harder to teach older people. And I think that it's also harder for older people to get over that fear of failure, fear of new things, um, fear of the unknown. And it's just, it's funny how psychological all this stuff gets. Like, it's not like a, obviously it's a little bit harder for them to physically like create the memories but it's it's not, it's not like a, a 60 year old can't learn something new yeah so this is a this is a really interesting kind of topic here because you know f for the longest time and we kind of talked about this in the i think it was episode 20 with with keegan levels that for the longest time in develop developmental theory and in like neuroscience we thought like kind of like what you said like oh yeah your your brain develops until you're 25 26 and then it stops developing and then that's how you are the rest of your life and like we know that um yeah like the brain is definitely more plastic when we're younger like it's 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 uh, able to kind of change around and restructure like more easily but like we still have neuroplasticity throughout our entire lives and we're always able to create these new connections and to restructure our minds but I, so so i think that's important to remember because people always want to 
and especially like in the older generations like that was like common knowledge yeah when you're 25 like you're done now that's how you are and that's not the case um of course it starts to become a little more difficult as we get older but i think and this is just i guess my opinion but i think it's it's mostly due to our essentially our our limiting beliefs and like the ideas and behaviors that that are in place that are really ingrained in these neural pathways so like the reason why it's really easy to teach a child is because they don't have all of this shit that's in the way whereas by the time we reach adulthood we have all of these ideas about how things are supposed to be and how i am and how i'm good at this and bad at this and blah 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 and i can't do this and um i'm pretty good at that but like not really and you know all of these different things that just like these stories that we tell ourselves uh that kind of get in the way so i think that's also a super super important aspect to this to this talk on failure right is like how do we how do we approach failure what 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 do we tell ourselves when we fail right is is it like wow um just as an example let's say i'm trying to learn chess like whoa i got so just i just got crushed that match like where like there's such a good opportunity here to learn about pawn structure or about like my opening like i had no idea what i was doing and then he got me into this bind blah 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 or is yeah, it just I blundered like my queen while i was sitting on the toilet this morning. <laughs> that's yeah. just like instant failure yeah so is it like oh here's a cool opportunity for me to learn something or is it oh that fucking piece of shit he's such a or i or i'm a i was piece about of to say or, you're talking to yourself <laughs> yeah exactly talking to yourself or the, <laughs> why did he move his queen there or the other person like it's basically the same thing right it's like you either doing directing it towards towards yourself or you're just projecting it on yeah. somebody else how, how dare he take advantage of my mistakes <laughs> but no i i think that one thing that's really important about that is like uh to to look at as well is um like a lot of times i think one of the biggest fears of failure is this like weird like expectation like failure expectation where especially for people who are getting into something that's a little older where they're like oh i can't get to this place i won't be able to i'm not going to be able to become a grandmaster of chess because i haven't started early enough or i'm not right. going to be able to become mariah carey level singer <laughs> because i haven't i haven't trained my vocal cords enough and um, it, it becomes this like big self-judgment thing before you even get started. And I think one of the big remedies for that is, is what you're talking about here is being able to, to like continually learn from mistakes, learn from failure and, and like the process of improving. And if you can like experience that for a while, it teaches you that the process of improving is more enjoyable than than like the the sort of state of being good at something and that's why you see people who are incredibly good at things they're always trying to improve anyways yeah and so that you don't reach the level of oh i'm good enough 
Right. So that's and that's really related to something that we're gonna get into in the next segment. So I so before we kind of like dive more into that, I thought it would be interesting to maybe explore with you. Ah, uh, well, I guess that this is even this would be even for the last segment. So now I'm kind of drawing a, a blank a little bit but i do want to put a pin in uh for the for self-psychiatry for us to kind of explore and share some of our failures oh, of course and of course and and i guess you know what that actually brings me to this this other idea that that i can kind of introduce to the conversation of failure which is that oftentimes what feel like the most devastating and horrifying failures actually end up being these like huge boons that end up being really important for our development and and to like bring us into a new place basically like they either they either open up a new chapter or it like unlocks a door to ourself that we didn't even know was there um etc yeah yeah and that is actually super important and most people who've been through a catastrophic failure and have bounced back from it in a positive way will tell you that later on you know you often see all these incredible qualities in them and they'll usually say that that thing that happened to me or that fuck up that I did was like the catalyst for me being the way I am today and it starts to merge a little bit when you get into this um, into like not just failures but also misfortunes Mm. so I'm going to try to stay away from that Um, and one of the last and most important things I think to uh, to touch on it with failure is that you you have to practice a level of like detachment and self-compassion and this is almost an entirely another topic we, we had talked about maybe making this a whole another topic but we can talk about it another day um, but if you're if you if you're like super hyper identified with yourself with your ego then your failures hurt a lot more because it, you, you take them so personally. It's like, oh, I failed. I am a failure. I didn't meet my expectations. And doing a little bit of, um, or more like a, a lot, but less than you'd think, a little bit of work around detachment, around um, kind of like, creating some space between you and your ego in that way creates a a better structure for you to be allowed to fail. And I think that that's a really important concept of like going into something with not the expectation of failure, but with the possibility and the allowance of failure to be part of it. Yeah. Like if I fuck this up, if I mess up this painting, it's okay. And I've thrown away many paintings that I fucked up. And if I go into it with the idea of, all right, I'm going to try something new and, you know, it's 
probably not going to turn out all that great, but if I can do something with it, cool. If not, I'll just toss it. Then it becomes really fun and enjoyable, and I'm, I'm not worried when I often do toss it. But if I jump into something and I don't expect to fail, maybe it's something that I'm not, that I, that I am usually pretty good at, and I don't expect to uh, struggle with it much. But then, you know, something something bad happens. You know, I spill some paint on it, fuck things up, miss a brush stroke really bad, and it kind of ruins it. And then I fuck it up. Then it's it's harder for me to, like, to get into that, like, oh, it's okay, we're just having fun here mindset when I'm, when I'm expecting to myself to succeed. Mm. So I think, like, taming our expectations is a really practical approach to failure. So when you're going into a new space or even a space that you're used to that can be kind of high pressure, you know, uh, allow yourself that that space to fail. And if it happens, then you'll be able to handle it better. And if it doesn't happen, you'll be even more happy because you weren't just expecting yourself to succeed. Mm. Yeah, I think with 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 all of this around failure like the the mindset around it is so important right like i yeah. feel like that's kind of what we what we're driving at here is like yeah how what the fuck is failure yeah how, yeah exactly how can you fail as a yeah and that's as, as an intelligent two-legged mammal monkey wandering around in a very confusing modern world like our failures are entirely relative to our yeah, expectations. Exactly. And then so then it kind of brings up this thing of like, okay, so failure is actually kind of almost like arbitrary or it's definitely subjective. So like so what what I'm trying to kind of internalize is like the understanding that like the only true failure is if I like don't get the outcome that I'm looking for and I don't learn anything from it, right? So it's like, okay, if I don't get the desired outcome, normally that's a failure, right? That's like what most people, oh, well, I wanted this, but that didn't happen, so I failed. Mm -hmm. um, but then now there's like another layer. It's like, well, it's not really a failure if I learn something because now I have more information, more tools, more experience for next time I try the thing, I'm gonna be more likely yeah. to be successful. Uh, so then it's like, is it really a failure? And then and then it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's, it's seems, it's very freeing to, because, because then we're, it kind of puts us into an exploratory mindset, right? Yeah. That's exactly what you were saying with the, with the painting, like, if you put yourself in an exploratory mindset, it's like, ooh, I'm, or, and, and an experimental mindset, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying something new here. And I'm expecting, like, I know that I'm in a, a novel space now. I know that, like, I don't really necessarily have all the tools. I don't feel super comfortable here. Um, but that is actually, and I think this is perfect time to segue into the next segment. That is exactly the factor that predicts our growth, actually. That, that there's this friction. And um, 
and this I, I gotta I gotta give a quick shout out to uh, this this new podcast that came out. It's called Huberman Lab uh, with Dr. Andrew Huberman. He he's a neuroscientist and something else at at Stanford, I believe. And he's been putting together some really amazing content around neuroscience. I would highly, highly recommend that podcast. But one of the things that he mentioned is that like, so basically when during the first like five to 15 minutes, when we're starting something, when we're starting something new, uh, especially that's difficult like let's say uh i'll just to make it concrete i'll give an example of like okay i'm going to like i'm in i'm in the process of of learning all of the the different keys on the piano so like uh yeah learning all the all the major scales basically and so there's a certain type of thinking that's required to to be successful in that and i think he calls it duration path outcome thinking so it's like it's this type of thing where it's like how long is it going to take what is the path that i need to take to get there and then what is the outcome if i do this behavior and the thing is is when i'm first starting and this is all related to the literature on flow as well by the way when i'm first starting there's this like there's this resistance there's this friction where it's like, ah, oh, this is really fucking hard. And, and that is, a, it's, it's actually necessary. And it's, it's one of the main components to, for us to realize that, oh, this is actually something that is challenging me that, that is helping me to grow. So, so this is where we get into this idea of the growth mindset. So in my understanding, the growth mindset like so normally we we have this tendency to shy away from that feeling right when it's like oh this is hard like i don't want to oh this is going to be so difficult i would rather just like watch youtube or i don't know i'd rather do something else that's more fun like this is so this is so boring or this is difficult or this is when all the excuses come in and all of the distractions and all of that kind of thing and but so the growth mindset is actually understanding that that is so important that we actually, we want to look for situations where we feel like that. So we're, we're actually leaning into that feeling of like, oh fuck, this is hard, this is difficult. And the thing that's so beautiful and amazing about this is like, that's just the first couple minutes. That's the first yeah. five, 15 minutes. And then what happens is, if it's if it's the right challenge like we talked about in the episode with flow if it's the right level of of skill like uh yeah the challenge for your skill level then you end up going into flow and and you have these these growth experiences where you uh you engage neuro neuroplasticity you you come up you have new um new neural pathways that are kind of being uh triggered and and set in motion and and uh, reinforced right yeah so that's the that's the basic idea i mean there's a couple different there's a, quite a few different things in there 
that are maybe worth unpacking. But I, yeah, as an easy uh, 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 sort of analogy to um, explain this concept that everybody knows about this one, but it can be applied to a lot of other things. But you think about physical exercise. If you're walking so slow that your heart rate isn't getting up and you're, you know, if I, if I, if I, uh, am really tired or like today with having real bad allergies, I'm not, I'm not going to be like going for a brisk walk with the dog. Like I tried to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of moseying around, you know, basically just penguin waddling back, back and forth to various trees and letting him sniff around. I'm not moving. I feel like you're, I feel like you're like a, a lumberer. (laughs) <laughs> in those in those times i'm definitely a lumbering kind of guy i've got yeah. a little bit of a gimp from the legs so i kind of like move back and forth to the right and left yeah so yeah i definitely lumber around i or feel maybe like that's shamble the... is a, is a good... i feel like lumbering is a really <laughs> perfect word for it because you have the imposing frame the slight limp and like especially if you're going really slowly it's kind of just like almost like a circular almost kind of like a frankenstein kind of walk <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so anyways if i'm lumbering around um i'm not going to nothing's going no growth is going to be happening in my body it's certainly better than just sitting on my ass all day um, you know, my blood circulating is still good for me to get up and get outside, but I'm not physically challenged. So my muscles aren't growing. My heart's not, uh, my cardiovascular, um, system isn't improving things like that. So I've got to get it to, you've got to walk fast enough. And this is a really tame example, but you, like I said, you could extrapolate this out to everything we're talking about. You have to walk fast enough to where you're just a little bit uncomfortable when you're first doing it and then your heart rate starts to get up and your body starts to starts to work with it and then you get into a rhythm and then you can walk for 30 minutes at that pace no problem and i know that you've experienced this hank with swimming as well swimming is a weird one with this i swear the first 5 to 10 minutes you're like swimming laps are fucking miserable and you feel like there's no way you're going to be able to get to like a kilometer or two and then after that five or ten minutes it's just suddenly like oh i guess my arms learned how to work again or something because they don't Mm. hurt anymore and my breath is coming easier and my body's gotten used to things Mm. and i don't know i'm not sure if that's a where exactly that comes from all i can think is like it's kind of like getting your car's engine warmed up like your body's essentially just putting yourself into that you know the the physical pieces and um, systems of your body are realigning. Your allostatic balance is realigning to the activity that you're working mm-hmm. on. So maybe where that's where that discomfort comes in. But it it's it's extremely dece- de- deceitful, deceptive. Maybe that's that's a better word. Um, because. I, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent with this one because this is something I'm going to talk about some other time. The brain, for some reason, the human brain 
the human mind, I should say, has a really hard time with like not thinking that whatever I'm doing right now is permanent. Like mm. this is forever. So when you feel shitty, it's it tends to just think you're always going to feel shitty or you're never going to stop feeling shitty, especially in the same activity. Mm. And then when you're feeling good, especially when it's like, you know, something like, like drinking alcohol, it's a perfect example of that. You're feeling good. It's just like, woo, yeah, more. <laughs> Let's keep it going, man. Like you have a hard time thinking the next morning is going to suck. And it doesn't have to just be because of alcohol. It's the same sort of thing with a lot of different things. Um, you could take it in the long term of people who think that they can just sort of work and, and chase money and focus on that and get all kinds of toys. And they're feeling great right now because they're 37 and they're on top of their fucking world of their career and stuff. They got a 401k, dude. Yeah, yeah. They're not thinking, they think that's never going to end. They're not thinking that their body is going to start breaking down. They're going to start getting less satisfaction out of their toys. Their family's not going to, you know, not going to stay together the way it is. It's really difficult for the brain to think that this state is impermanent, whatever state that is. And yet it always is. No state is ever permanent. And especially, at least in my experience, this little fucking, this 10, 15 discomfort window is a real tough thing for me. It's hard mm. for me. And I think it goes back to um, our, our conversation in, uh, that was around like discomfort and um, learning from suffering and things like that. And like, I, I already have a lot of discomfort. And I think that like getting into that extra state of discomfort, it just, it sends me over the edge like I'm used to dealing with like a certain baseline and a lot of times it's really hard for me to deal with that little extra and, and I, I don't necessarily think it's just because I have a lot of discomfort already I think that's pretty relative to people but I think it has more to do with this this um, inability to recognize impermanence mm. and um, whenever I get into something, man, I have a really fucking hard time telling myself that I'll be, I'll feel better if I do this for 15 more minutes. Mm. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting. Just as a quick side thing here, like that's why I really like the, the quote or I guess the, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, this too shall pass because it goes both ways, right? It's like, no matter <laughs> what it is, you can you can use it as a you know to get for some solace in times of like extreme shittiness like well this too shall pass but it's also a reminder when you're having a blast that like this you know i'm gonna die memento mori right like this is um like as a reminder just to really enjoy and and be present for these beautiful experiences that we have because it's gonna it's all yeah it's 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 um it's impermanent and that's that's one of the things that is really emphasized i think in in buddhist psychology there's a lot of different 
practices around recognizing impermanence. Yeah. Um, that that can be very practical and helpful. Um, but yeah, again, like this, you know, this this growth mindset idea, like so. Th this is kind of another um, another thing here that I'm noticing is again, it's it's a mindset shift, and and these things are really tough because you know so much of what we believe about the the state of the universe is are these paradigms that have been built up over over our whole lives basically so they're yeah. like deeply embedded in our subconscious and oftentimes it's not super easy to just like change those out of nowhere like usually yeah. those those kind of shifts only occur uh like through therapeutic or spiritual experience or through i don't know i guess apparently you can trigger it through like um what are those called positive affirmations and mantra and diff different different things like that and so it, it seems like, at least for the growth mindset, like really to, to kind of inhabit that space, it's something that I need to like keep reminding myself about and looking for, like really seeking out that feeling of of being uncomfortable and 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 seeing it as like, oh, that's that's it. That's what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so instead of, because right now we have the opposite reaction. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's that's hard. This doesn't yeah. feel right. And then so slowly shifting and then putting the the North Star as that. So like, ah, oh, that's it. That's the thing. And then what's so cool is it's just it it just leads to such a rewarding experience if we just stick through that first 10, 15 minutes. And again, this is this is where, so obviously the mindset shift is part of it. And then discipline. We, we've talked about yeah. discipline before and like there's no fucking, there's no magic potion that that is going to make it happen. Like we got to yeah. fucking buckle down, pull ourselves up by our own shoelaces. <laughs> no, <that's>... <laughs> <laughs> and as a quick aside, you know, before anybody starts to feel down on themselves um and we'll get to this in a bit but uh trust trust us hank and i have both failed on discipline many many times yes so this is know, not discipline, as <laughs> discipline is a is a marathon not a sprint it's a war yeah. not a battle it is a it is a back and forth with yourself where you will experience failure again and again yeah it's it's a never-ending battle you the only person that i can think of that seems like he's just winning all the time is jocko willink <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he's, the master he's a, uh, of discipline he's a, he's a special guy and yeah. i think i see people like that and there's there's it's kind of a double-edged sword for me because i think that he he, he does mostly positive um he does a, a lot of gr great things for people but sometimes i think people look at that sort of level of discipline 
and get this um, this false expectation it goes back to our expectation chat of like like for discipline that's like looking at an Olympian and being like hmm maybe I should start running I, I would love to be able to hurdle that way you know yeah. it's it's just like like he is an extreme case of good discipline and while you can take inspiration from him don't expect to be Jocko Willink <laughs> Yeah, and I you mean that, that's the same. I mean that's that's by no fault of his own. Like that's just no, the no. Classic it's not. It's not him with... doing something wrong. Yeah, it's just people like him. I sometimes I, I tend to not always point to unless um, it's the right kind of person who's already pretty motivated, mm. because it, it's a little bit. I mean, it's a little too much, you know. Yeah, but there is one thing. The the thing that I really appreciate about Jocko is like, I've seen multiple. Uh, interviews and different stuff with him where they're like what's like how do you do it like what do you how do you think about thinking about thinking about things and you know like this kind of thing where it's like (laughs) what's your and he's just like I just do I just yeah know what I need to do and I just do it every day I get up every fucking day at four in the morning and I get after it like I have the I have the action plan and I follow it and I just do it. And that's it's just such a good message, dude, because there's all yeah. this fucking hack your hack your brain yeah, to make your yourself brain, not be a piece of shit. And it's just like uh good luck. Yeah, no, but... you've got to balance you've got to balance a little bit between like like you know, we give people tips and tricks now and then, little practical things you can try. You got to balance it between that and making people understand that there there is a point where you, it just comes down to willpower and discipline. Yeah, and like if you had to choose, that, that's what I noticed. Like, because there's always, and I've gotten caught in this hugely, and this is like almost like the, because there is like a, also a dark side to the growth mindset, right? Which is uh, or it, there, maybe it's not called the growth mindset. It's called something else. It's like the I'm not good enough mindset, basically, <laughs> where I'm never there. I'm always I just need this next thing, yeah. and then so I've found myself like getting into all these like oh optimizing this process and like how can you yeah this this thing of optimizing and it's like <laughs> so spending all this time learning how to optimize something that. I don't even do because I'm too afraid to fail, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a funny little snippet um, from one of Eknith Warren's books about that that just has always cracked me up, and I feel like it's it, it's it's like a kick to the balls for me. Um, he tells a story. Eknith Warren was, is a, was, was a meditation teacher, and at the at this point in the story, he had been a meditation teacher for many years already. And he goes into his friend's house or whatever. And, um, they're in kind of like his, his study and he's got all these books and, um, Eknith is like walking around kind of like looking at the spines of the books and he goes, wow, you've got, you really got a lot of the, a lot of books on meditation. Have you read all these books? And, and his friend is like, oh yeah, I've read every single one of them. And he goes, you must be an incredible meditator. Um, 
or no, sorry, sorry, I, I skipped a part. This friend goes, I'm sure you've read all those books too. And Eknith is, is like, actually, I haven't really read any of the books. Um, I've written a couple and I've read, you know, I've read one or two, but haven't ha- certainly haven't read as much as you. He's like, you must be a great meditator. And his friend kind of looks a little embarrassing. He goes, actually, I, I really don't meditate that much. Mm. <laughs> and that always makes me think like, and I'm I'm the worst at this. I do way more reading about um, this or that, or studying about this and that, or preparation for this and that, than I do the thing. Right. And it does yeah, like thinking about the thing and like yeah. thinking about doing the thing and how the best yeah. way to do it and and the pros and cons of this way and that way and just going yeah. forever in that exactly mind and, loop. Yeah, yeah, and. I, there's there is some tricks that I've learned to to get out of that state. Um, one for me for painting that I've told you about before is like if I if I'm kind of like freaked out about starting a painting or something, I'll just I'll just pick a random color and just make a big fucking stroke across the page and say, "Yep, mm. what are you gonna do with it?" It's like it's already there. There's no erase in it. You could go over it, but that's going to be a tremendous pain in the ass. So what are you going to do with that big fucking blue mark you just made on the page? And then I've got to do something with it or I've got to throw it away. But I like a blank canvas will fuck me up. Like Mm. it will keep me it will keep me away from painting more than almost anything else. Mm. And I've noticed that once I'm when I'm in the process of painting, usually every uh, when the, when I do paintings, I do them over the course of um, some days or maybe a couple of weeks or something like that, and I'll work on them a little bit here and there. Um, but when I when I when I have one going, I paint a lot, and uh, and when I'm thinking about it, it's a positive experience more. I'm thinking about like, okay, I've you know I don't like this little area. How can I fix it? can I possibly do this? And then when I get home, I'm excited to do it and I do it. But when I'm in between paintings, I'm, that's what really fucks me up. It's really hard for me to transition back into the painting mindset and make that, those first marks on the pay, on the canvas. Mm. Yeah. That's a really easy way to stretch out the first five to 15 minutes is by not starting. <laughs> like if you really want to torture yourself and just be in that forever you just like sit down with the intention of doing it and then just don't do it and just think about it (laughs) just if you really want to just have a horrible time yeah if you want to take your bdsm to another level torture yourself um i i think that Maybe uh, maybe a good idea and something that I'm thinking about is figure out what that period of discomfort is. Because it's different for everything and everyone. It's not going to be exactly 10 to 15 minutes. Sometimes it'll be less, sometimes it might be a little more. I certainly would still be uncomfortable 15 minutes into a run at this point. I haven't ran in fucking forever. But figure out what that period of discomfort is for whatever you're doing and and kind of 
be mindful. And once you start to notice yourself, all right, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. Usually you won't notice the transition between feeling uncomfortable and suddenly enjoying yourself because you're in a natural state then. Yeah, you're not thinking anymore. You're just, you're flowing. So it's probably going to take a while. Yeah, yeah. To to gauge this. Yeah. So try to figure out how long that period of discomfort is and wherever your eudaimonia machine is wherever your battle station is put like a physical reminder of that like write yourself a note put a sticky note on your desk or something that says get through 10 minutes if you know that it takes 10 minutes to get you into it or 7 minutes or 15 or 20 minutes and you know it's not you don't necessarily have to hold yourself to it every time, but it can remind you that, okay, this period is only 10 minutes and it can help you get past that, that sort of brain thing. I haven't tried this. I'm sort of just spitballing here on something that I think I'm going to try. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really related to, you know, when we talked about habits and like the two minute rule that yeah. it's basically the same idea, but this is like yeah. just allowing for and remembering that it's, probably more like five to 15 of like where it's going to feel difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's expanding then, that concept just a yeah. tad. And, and yeah, and actually to kind of bring it back to that, if it's just, if it doesn't get easier, like if it just, if you never drop into flow, like if, if, if it's been 30 minutes and you've been just feeling like that the entire time, then whatever your practice or exercise is, is too difficult. Yeah, you're, you're, you're asking too much of yourself. Yeah. You need to tone it down a tad. And if you're bored, then it's too easy and too simple. Yeah. So there's also this component of like, yeah, and, and that's... And that's, that's interesting. The, I didn't think about that. It's like kind of a gauge of your difficulty, you know? Yeah. If your discomfort lasts a really long time into your practice, what it, identify what's causing it and then you can figure out why you're still uncomfortable. And it probably has to do with you not doing enough or doing too much. Yeah, or or even just the simple fact of, like, if it's just... I mean, the, the perfect example for me, and, and it's I think it's really... I always love to just... I just go for examples. Like, if, if you ask me what a word means, I can't tell you what the word means, but I can give you an example, or I can give you synonyms, you know, or an analogy or whatever, so... Mm-hmm the perfect example for me is like with with music right in, the, in this example that i brought up earlier with learning all of the scales on the piano so like regardless that's going to be difficult for me uh yeah. i don't really like i don't have any uh training really on piano i took a couple lessons when i was uh maybe 10 or something so it's, it's like there's a lot of this DPO thinking duration path outcome, I believe. And it's like it's a concerted effort. And so but there's ways that I can make it more useful also. Like so it's it's there's it's actually really interesting because there's a lot of different dimensions that are at play here when it comes to developing the practice. Like so now we're kind of getting out of. Uh, growth mindset a little bit but it's still related and that is like so I can just play 
the scale, right? I could just do that. But that like and and I probably will like eventually I'll drop into flow because I I don't know all of these, so like it'll yeah. it's, it'll be challenging, but the problem with it is it's just totally mechanical. It's not a musical. Yeah. It's completely different if it's like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to learn this scale, but I'm going to make music at the same time gotcha and and this is something that i think we can apply to a lot of different practices um you know with exercise for example it's like you know you realize that it can be fun too right yeah you realize that it can be practical like why it's way more fun to run on in a a for on a forest trail than it is on a treadmill exactly i don't know burt kreischer drinks wine and walks on his treadmill so he he seems like he has a lot of fun i mean sure that's that's great especially like yeah if you live in la or something it's probably nicer to walk on the treadmill than walk out on the streets but uh i guess depending on where but anyways so but but i think you, you get the idea like there's there's ways that we can so it's not just like fucking muscling through and discipline and blah but like having making it fun making it interesting making it an exploration and making it creative so like i i can come up with all kinds of different improvisational games to play while i'm learning these scales and incorporating games into the learning process it's going to be way more fun and then i'm not just learning scales i'm also learning I'm I'm becoming more musical each time, right? I'm, yeah. I'm exploring my my ability to audiate. So like bringing the sounds from in my head onto the keyboard and connecting my inner ear with the instrument, you know? And that's like that's so much more powerful than just like oh yeah, like I know all the different notes in each scale. What does yeah. that what does that do in the end, you know? So also connecting these practices with like the why and like what is what what am i what do i want to get out of this do i just want to have fun and explore and play or is there an is there another goal that i'm moving towards with this right yeah yeah i do the same thing with painting like if i think okay well i want to work on my my geometric shapes or i want to work on shading i'll pick a subject matter matter that contains that yeah, and is fairly simple otherwise, but contains these elements that I want to work on, and then I, I really try and focus in on that, and I'll make everything else stuff that I I can do fairly easily. So it's I'm not like worried about it. But by the end, I've got a painting. I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm sitting there like I don't know if you've ever seen kind of the generic um, sketchbook page for an artist where they're yes they're like drawing one thing and then they draw the same thing and they draw the same thing and they do like 15 times across the page yeah and the circle gets like slightly more oblong and it has the cross crosses through it yeah (laughs) it makes me that that even looking at that makes me want to puke like i the, the repetition of it i know that that that's a kind of drill that makes you a great artist but you know I'm willing to slow ball it a little bit if I'm just able to get get myself to sit down and paint. Uh, at this point in my life, I I don't have um I have the time, but I I don't want to make that time. 
I have a lot of other things that I that I would rather spend the time on. So maybe down the road, whenever I'm in a better position, I'll do a little bit more like like focused drill type work. But for the most part, my practice in my um, the difference between my practice and my performance of art at least of visual art is almost indistinguishable and really has it comes down to like if intention really like if I have an intention going into it like oh I'm going to work on this I'm going to do this then it's more more practice if I'm just sitting down and kind of goofing around then it's not really practice um it's still fun still creative but that's really the the defining thing for practice for me is bringing that intention in there. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's huge. So I think that about wraps up growth mindset. I guess yeah, I just want to exactly an hour. Yeah, I I guess I just want to finish it off by uh, saying that it's it's I think it's good to counterbalance the growth mindset with with the understanding that you are already perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so like it, there's the balance of you know it's not because because I think that term can lead you to kind of feel like oh I'm a, I just I just need to like grow a little bit more but it's like we're always gonna grow. Uh, there's we we grow we expand and contract in these cycles and we have some amount of influence over how those go and there's grow all you want it's not going to keep you out of that pine box at the end yeah exactly and so uh yeah i i definitely am am working on internalizing the growth mindset and i also am very happy with where I am right now and I'm excited to keep on exploring and learning and growing with all of you well aren't you special yes very <laughs> happy with where you are right now wouldn't we all like to be Hank people <laughs> um, you know man see now we're getting into our, our final segment of self psychiatry and this is where Hank and I wanted to talk a little bit about our experience with failure. And I have had all kinds of experiences with failure. Um, thankfully, I, I, like, like I was thinking about it. I have like a million tiny failures. I don't have I don't have that many like major major fuck up failures mm. where I like because in, in my mind. Um, I've never really struggled that much with like hammering myself over my own personal projects and things like that. You know, if I fuck up a painting, I'm not too hard on myself. Um, but to me, a real failure is like when I'm when I when I fail in my like sort of morality or principles or something like that, and it ends up hurting someone. And I, it's, it, I don't have that many of those in my, and, and they're not like super bad. Um, but I have had 
like I said, a million tiny fuck-up failures. And I think that that is really like my death of a thousand paper cuts because I have a really hard time with discipline. I have a really hard time with um, organization. I have a really hard time with impulse control, time management. And so, you know, fail at being on time to something fail at disciplining myself on this or that, you know, fail at not, not picking up that beer, not picking up that, uh, chicken biscuit. You know, there's, I have a hard time with small failures and I'm really hard on myself about it too. A lot of times I'm really fucking, um, self, uh, self-judgmental and like I hammer myself 10 times harder than I would somebody else for the exact same thing and then it makes me feel even worse and it makes me makes it even harder to discipline myself so I also fail at fucking self-compassion mm. um, and I think that it's important to like identify these smaller failures and take the same exact approaches that we've been talking about because it's really easy to get lost in like like getting tunnel vision on something you've really majorly fucked up or you know some some kind of major failure like okay well how do i avoid that how can i you know dive into that particular thing and then you end up ignoring all these like various things you're doing throughout the day that you could improve on so for me right now in my life I've had a pretty rough last six months or so which I think most of the world has but um, I'm trying to focus in on some of these small things throughout the day that I'm continuously failing on like a regular basis Hmm. I want to eat healthier but you know I, I don't manage my time well enough and then I get lazy and then it's the end of the day and I'm tired and I don't want to cook or I didn't get something from the store to cook mm. and then I you know I order Chinese food so you know there's there's a bunch of small failures within that and it's easy for me to kind of sweep them under the rug or try and distract myself with something or you know um drink a six pack and just forget all about it um it's really easy for me to to try and avoid addressing those things because when i do think about it when i do address it like i i it's 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 difficult for me to not hammer myself on it and so i it becomes like this avoidance thing hmm. and i think that that's a really important concept that we haven't really talked too much about in this episode yet is like just almost like a denial of failure because it's so scary it's so bad we're so freaked out by it we're so self-judgmental that we don't want to acknowledge its existence Hmm. and that's what I've been noticing for a while and um, about myself I don't want to I don't want to think about these things and and I don't want to improve on them uh, by extension. I do want to improve on them in the abstract, but 
improving on them requires me to put attention on them, and that's painful. Yeah. So the exact same things apply. You know, the the small um, window of discomfort, recognizing that. Uh, so, you know, for example, knowing that, all right, I don't, I really don't feel like cooking right now, but if, if I get in there and I cook for five or ten minutes and I get everything out, I'll be just fine. It's not going to be nearly as bad as my mind is trying to paint it as right now. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll eat that healthy dinner I'll ha- I'll, and I, I'll have that victory, you know? It's mm. the exact same thing. And um, it's, it's the as above, so below kind of principle. Like all the techniques still apply even to the small things. And it, it, in my opinion, for me personally, especially the small things, and that's what I haven't been doing well. Mm. Fucking idiot, Nate. What's wrong with you? Well, we're gonna that that, that little that last little quip there reminds me of uh, what Julia Cameron, who wrote the Artist Way, calls the censor. But we'll we'll get into that another time. Uh, but yeah, man, I I can definitely resonate with this idea of a million tiny failures like i haven't i at least so far (laughs) new name for my autobiography uh so far i haven't made any like any colossal fuck-ups that i'm aware of um so it's yeah it's mostly these little these little failures and yeah the one and what makes it a failure is letting it go by like unnoticed and unchecked and not taking responsibility for it so and for me it's it's a lot of times it's like it's almost like failure of omission like failure by omission i should say yeah yeah so like the failure isn't that like oh no i did this thing and it was wrong it's more like oh i didn't do this thing that i value and know that is part of my path forward as a human being and i know is very much tied to my growth as a human being as a professional as a musician as a podcaster etc and yeah and then what's tied to that omission is like some other less than desirable behavior that's just like a filler behavior but it's not that that's what's interesting about it is like the the behavior in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing like yeah or like you said it's the a denial the omission of the failure yeah exactly which doesn't allow you to grow from it like before like that's the real failure exactly and i and i think i guess that's why those filler activities are so dangerous is because it allows those failures to go by unnoticed basically or at least like submerged or you know it's not uh, you know the flashing screen lights on the screen are are going to take up more of our attention than that subtle feeling that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> do you remember uh randy's rant from south park and they're like 
their their old episode. This is one of the really old season episodes where where like Mr. Mackey does acid and like weed gets passed around the class and stuff. I think you cut out there for a second. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, it was the episode where like where Mr. Mackey gets fired for passing the weed around, and he ends up doing acid. His head like floats around like a balloon. <laughs> There's a great line in that episode where all the kids are like, like telling their parents to, you know, basically to fuck off because they're they're over exaggerating about weed or something like that. And Randy ends up saying something like, "We're sorry, son. Weed isn't really all that bad." It's uh, it's not going to do this. It's not going to tear your life apart, but it's when it, it, it weed makes you okay with being bored, and it's when you're yeah. bored that you should be trying to become a better person or learn a new skill. <laughs> it's like South Park dropping some wisdom. Dude, that's seriously that's it's so exactly on point. Exactly like, what that's, we're talking about. That's yeah. exactly it. It's like, and you know, you can. By the way, people, you can substitute weed in this example with literally like any almost Beer, any behavior you Reddit, can think of video games tv social media social media the list the list goes on and on and on and on yeah and but that's that's any exactly vice. that's exactly it and like it's i think today it's just it's never been more difficult in some sense because there's so many platforms and businesses that are vying for our attention and literally operate solely based on sucking our attention away and selling it to <laughs> advertisers so like that's what all social media is that's how they survive as a business we've talked about this previous episode and like but that's that's never been the case. This is completely unprecedented. And now you can go through your entire day by just consuming. Whereas go back 100 years even, 150 years and beyond for hundreds of thousands of years before that, you cannot survive without producing. You cannot, it's impossible. But now, yeah. I mean, of course you have to produce like in some in some way even today but, but it's we, a lot more we skewed. produce economic value we produce an abstract rather than a concrete yeah you know what i mean yeah so yeah you can't spell device without vice in it that that checks out <laughs> that it's is just got the wrong suffix on it that's a that's a fact we should call them revices. But you can spell devise without device. <laughs> <laughs> so devise a plan to get out of your or vices. Vice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and devices. Oh, boy. Uh, Wordplay. This is our new segment, Fun with Words. What's your favorite word? What's my favorite word? Um... Right now. <laughs> right now. Um, I, I've got to either go with bamboozled um, or, well, oh, man, I was just thinking the other day it was a great word that's an actual word. Um, 
I'm blanking. So I'm going to have to go with bamboozled. Great word. <laughs> That's a great one. For me right now, it's magnanimous. Magnanimous. Mag- magnanimous. Magnanimous, exactly. That's a, that's a really good one, too. I feel like that's one of those words that it sounds like what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, same with bamboozled. Yeah. <laughs> those are and, both uh, really, really we're not good. Gonna, we're not going to explain either of those words. We're just going to move right along <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're gonna count on a little autodidacticism so you can learn what those words mean yeah okay well that was a nice Um, little uh little don't acknowledge it just just keep moving (laughs) (laughs) just pretend like it never happened just pretend it never happened bury that Um, one you know, I think uh, I've been trying to figure out like what the most important thing for me to like to focus on to move past some of these issues. Um, and one of them that I've noticed too is that I'm taking too much on at once. And we've talked about this before, but if you're trying to improve in some aspect of your life, it can be very problematic to have to try and prove like eight things all at once that can really um it can make it to where you you're splitting your energy and attention too much so i i think one of the big things i've identified is that i need to focus in on one thing at a time or at least you know maybe maybe not just one thing at a time but bring down the things that I'm focusing on and you know I, I could I could think of half a dozen different things that I'd love to be doing in the morning or doing better in the morning if I try and say alright we're going to do those half a dozen things I'm just I'm setting myself up for failure my expectations are way too high even if they're fairly low for each thing so mm. I um I've been asking too much of myself in various ways um especially r- right in this particular moment my work is just crazy. So that's another thing to think about is like where are you in your life and are you in a good moment to start a new venture? And sometimes like whenever we're in something like I am now where I'm in a really stressful work time and you get a little a little off the wagon on this or that it can be kind of freaky and it can kind of make you think like oh shit I gotta I gotta get my shit back together right away when it's really not a good time and you're setting yourself up for failure once again and you know if mm. you, you you can kind of think about it like okay well in my case this project is going to be done in two weeks it's a massive project been working on it for a year and it's super stressful and difficult right at the end I'm having to work more Yesterday, I was, I about fucking killed myself trying to move this stuff, these appliances. Um, and so, I'm, it's not a good time for me to start doing like certain specific things. I can work on, you know, other things that are a little bit less high energy or a little bit lower stress or something like that. But 
um, I need to wait a week or two before I I give more energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you've got to take your your efforts in context of of your life, what you're doing, and um, and kind of adjust your expectations based on that. So you're not just setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And I, and again, you know, this this makes me think of something that I've been thinking about a lot and improving on when it comes to failure and it's related to this failure by omission and that's and that's and we we talked about it a bit uh in the like resolutions episode and that is like planning just scheduling just booking booking stuff into the calendar like yeah because what i realized is it's it's like it's just the time is almost arbitrary a lot of the times like but just choose a time it doesn't even matter like just choosing a time for something to happen I mentioned this before but this podcast wouldn't exist unless at one point after talking about doing the podcast for literally like a year we were just like oh well we talked about this a bunch how about we just book it in like how about let's just record on saturday it's like yeah. all right let's do it so it's like in a sense yeah that saturday that we started the podcast it was completely arbitrary that we started on that day yeah but we didn't even fact, release that episode that was a demo no but, <laughs> but that was the fact that we started yes that was the first step to make us realize okay this is actually something that we can do we had yeah. a shitload of fun we're gonna let's keep doing this right and and so this this is something that I'm trying to apply more and more is like yeah figuring out what needs to be done from a high level standpoint and then breaking those things down into into smaller tasks and then and this is the thing that I'm at right now like I have a good idea of the different things that I need to do but I'm I still haven't gotten good at like just choosing times for doing things right so i just have like a running list of a million different things that i could be doing so now this this last part of the process i feel for me like to help me to get past some of my some of these failures by omission is like to yeah to book stuff in for like specific times set aside different times of my day to be working on specific things and then breaking the, even those things down into like specific subtasks um and that like it just leverages the dopamine trails that uh that like social media companies are leveraging but it's for our own growth and for our own yeah. development you know see we did give you a life hack in there biohacks dude <laughs> oh man uh, well you got anything else to add I think that's I think that's that's about it for today that was that was a lot of fun I think man that's thanks, a wrap. For, thanks for joining me in this in this talk and thanks all of you to our awesome listeners for joining in once again if you would like to perhaps share oh, okay I, i'm just gonna keep on 
I, I was just telling our our listeners that if they if they wanted to if they want to share some of their failures with us, we would be very intrigued to hear about that and to see what came of them and and what you learned and all all of that that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we would be very interested to hear that and to connect with you guys a little bit more. That's right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Here we are once again at the end of another fine episode of Casual Cognition. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you're all doing well out there. And we will see you in a week.